When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is In Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you, of course, by Bower and O'Day. And today on Inspiring Sports Stories, we're going to talk to a brilliant young West Australian golfer making her way on the ladies' European tour. Kirsten Rudgley joins me. Welcome, Kirsten. Hey, hey guys, how are you going? Very well, thank you very much. Um, so you're back in Perth, yes, having a quick break? Yeah, I've got a, about four-week break, which is um, always a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so what? how will you spend that? Um, pretty much just relaxing, obviously get back in the gym, um, getting a bit stronger and um, working on a few things I need to work on, uh, swing-wise and um, all that sort of stuff with my coaches. Um, and just chilling out, really, because you don't really get to do too much uh, relaxing when you're out on tour. And I guess it's a pretty mentally taxing sport, isn't it, golf? I mean, there is there is a physical element to it, but also there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stress and mental acuity goes into it. The, the golf side of it, the travel side of it, um, you know, you got to make sure your flights are on time. You got to make sure your hotels are booked, all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, but obviously, definitely the golf is the uh, most stressful side of it. Um, you know, preparing correctly and getting used to the time zone wherever you are in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's not easy, but it, I do enjoy it. So, Let's go all the way back to the beginning. You were you were born in England. Where, whereabouts was the family based in England when you were born? Uh, Essex in London. Okay. And can you remember anything about England? Because you obviously came out here when you were very young. I think you were four years old. Not really. Um, I think yeah, I moved to Oz when I was four, um, so I can't remember much at all. Um, but we do. I true. I do try to go back each year, um, especially playing in Europe now. Um, go back and see the family and just um, yeah, see them. Really, I'm not too fussed about seeing England itself. It's just the family. So. <laughs> so how much of the family is still over there? Uh, most of them. Like I've got a few. Uh, my uncle lives in Spain. Uh, Nan lives in England. Uh, a few in Ireland. A few in Scotland. Uh, so I've got it pretty much everywhere over there. But Dad's mum, Nan, uh, she lives over here with us now. So that's um, nice to see her every day if I can. And when you came out here, where, where did exactly did you settle? Somewhere in Perth? Yeah, well, we um, obviously mum and dad took us to all the places, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, and it Perth best suited us, so um, that's what we chose. And uh, here we are now, 18 years later. <laughs> So you came out here with a pretty open mind, did you? Your, your parents were thinking, we'll, we'll have a look around yeah, and, see, sure. and see what's best. What what appealed yeah. to them about Perth, do you think? Um, just the, the climate. Um, and Dad's got his own sparky business, so um, that was a bonus over here, especially being, you know, a lot of new housing and all that sort of stuff being built. So, um, yeah, no, I think, I think they enjoyed Perth the most, so that's why we live here. <laughs> what were your first memories of Perth? What were my first memories? I don't know, really. Just probably going to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, beaches are a bit different in uh, England. So, um, 
yeah, definitely, definitely uh, be seeing the beaches and um, just the freedom you have here in Australia in general um, compared to back in England. Um, it's a different world over there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine going to the beaches in England with, what are they, cobblestone? Is that right? Or what, what sort yeah, of co- that's the one, cobblestone. <laughs> it's a bit different to the golden sands of uh, of the Perth beaches. Now, your father introduced you to golf when you were about seven years old. Was that because he was a golfer himself? Yeah, so my brother and my dad played golf. Um, my brother used to be a pretty good golfer and then uh, work in uni and all that sort of stuff got in the way. Um, and I just went down a driving range with them too. And um, I used to play football as well, soccer, and I had to choose between them two. I chose golf and... Um, Ever since then, I've just enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I'm glad he took me out there, to be honest. So which driving range did you used to go to to, to learn to swing the club? <sighs> I think it was Karama, to be honest. Um, north side of Perth. Yeah. Um, just literally went down there most days, just fight the golf, all enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I think that's the best way to learn, just enjoy it. I think for any young kids that want to um, start up golf, just enjoy it to start with and then see where it takes you. How would you describe your swing at the very beginning, Kirsten? Oh, you know, you're just trying to hit it as far as you can. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wouldn't say it's that wasn't that great, but um, you know. But the more and more I enjoyed it, and more I got into it, you, you start seeing coaches, and then they help you out and all that sort of stuff. So, but most of my stuff now I do I I can control it myself, and if I do need to speak to my coach, um, he's always there. So. Can you remember the? Fir- to, uh, can you remember the sorry. first round of golf you ever played? I think it was actually at Warnaroo Golf Club uh, with their ladies. Um, I went out there in the morning, played with them, and I think I won the comp the first tournament. So <laughs> is that right? Can, yeah, yeah. Can you remember what you shot off the bat? No, because it was Stableford. I think I had like forty-two points, forty-three points, or something. And, um, and what handicap did they give you? Oh, I think I would have been. Oh, I don't, actually don't know. I'm going to go 15. That'll do. Um, so you were then, um, so you were pretty good even at that stage. If you're playing off 15 and having 42 points, that's a, <laughs> that's a reasonable score, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Um, especially I was so little then as well, um, hitting the ball so far. But I've always been a good, good short game player. So um, that always gets me out of jail. <laughs> and. You mentioned you had interest in football or, or soccer, as we sometimes call it over here. Um, yeah. did, did you play that competitively at a high level, or was that more a social yeah, enjoyment? Yeah, I used to play. Um, I used to play for state for that, and um, I just had to, like I just said, choose between golf and um, football. And um, you know, if you do better in golf, it's always you, you get to see more of the world as well. I guess playing golf and doing what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I. I'm glad I chose golf and, um, yeah. What position did you used to play in soccer? Midfield. In the midfield? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so big um, big tank, lots of running, sort of uh, uh, backwards pretty, and forwards? Yeah, pretty much, and just passing, all that sort of stuff, get the, get the team moving. <laughs> <laughs> um, you started seeing yourself as a serious golfer around about the age of 14 when you started representing WA, tell us what clicked um, inside of you to, to make that decision for you. Um, I don't know, really. Just obviously playing the tournaments over here, like your, your golf away events, um, and then winning them. And then you start thinking, oh, I'm actually probably quite good at this game. 
Um, and then, yeah, you, you start seeing your name on the social media and all that sort of stuff. And then you, and then it really clicks, I guess. Um, and then obviously playing in the Barrow Day events with Joe. Um, that's been great fun as well along the way. Um, so, yeah, no, I've... Um, and just listening to the right people and telling, you know, listening to them and telling them that you're good as such, um, it's good to hear. So it was pretty much straight away I started winning things, which was handy. Um, and then obviously, like you said, getting selected for state teams and Australian teams and all that sort of stuff. So they don't become, you don't get picked for them for no reason. So, um, yeah. And your coach, you mentioned um, getting coaching. When did you first take a coach and who was that? Uh, my first ever coach was George Campbell, and he was at Junior Lux. Um, as I was, like, pretty much straight away, I started seeing him. Yep. Um, and that's just, you know, at the start of any sport, you're just enjoying it and you're having fun, and then you you start adding in a few more things into the swing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's just really how I started out, you know. And... You mentioned when you went to the driving range as a kid, you were just trying to hit the ball as far as you could. Are, are you a long hitter? Because I know that you're known for your your feel and touch around the greens. Um, to be honest, when I went away to the first three LET events that I played, um, I found myself reasonably long compared to most of them. So um, that's always a bonus. <laughs> it is in today's yeah. golf. It's very much a. It's become very much a power game, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. You got to you got to get yourself in the gym, and um, closer you are to the hole every time, the better. <laughs> and did you have a successful junior career, Kirsten? Like, how much success did you enjoy as a junior? Um, I think I, yeah, I think I did do quite well. Um, I used to start off by playing in my my, I think it was my golf nine hole events um, every Sunday. Dad used to take me down there, and I think I almost won all of them. To be fair. Um, and then I started playing all the junior events. There's one at Midlands. There's one here, there, and everywhere pretty much every week. Um, and then done quite well in them. And then, you get select, like I said, you get selected for your junior teams. Um, and then even when I went away and played in the junior teams, I was able to still do well, which was, which was a bonus. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll start to talk about uh, Kirsten's amateur career in earnest. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. And we're talking to Kirsten Rudgley, brilliant young West Australian golfer, just embarking on her professional career after a highly successful amateur career playing golf all over the world. Kirsten, you mentioned you had to make a choice between soccer and golf, but you're also quite a keen tennis player, aren't you? Yeah, I do. I do enjoy playing tennis. Like I, I don't play competitively at all, but I'd go and play with a few friends after school or, um, you know, just when I'm back home, I, I do enjoy it. And uh, Sir Volley, baseliner, what are you? What what sort of uh, what sort of tennis player are you? <laughs> Lefty, righty? Uh, uh, right, right. Yep. Mate, I'm a righty. Are you, um, are you any good at it or are you just a bit of a whacker? 
I'm all right. Like, I'm not, I'm not the best thing ever, but I just enjoy it. Um, it gets me away from golf, so it's always a bonus. <laughs> Now, we're, we're up to the point in the interview where you're, you're just starting to um, basically make amateur teams and, and, and representative of teams. So what was the first sort of national competition you became involved in as a, as a junior? As a junior, it probably would have been the Australian Amateur, I would imagine, um, which is quite a big event um, here in Australia for, for our young Aussies. Um, and you get people all over the world that come over and play it. So um, it's pretty pretty highly rated. Uh, tournament which is a bonus um and um yeah that's it really uh so then if you do well in there and then you get selected for your aussie teams and um so on so when and where was that where where was that held and when was it held how old were you at that, that time would have, first one that i played in would have been in brisbane golf course i think yep um that would have been years ago now maybe <laughs> i'm gonna guess Six or seven years ago, I reckon. So, how old were you? At, um, how old were you at that time? So I was twenty-two. So I would have been. How old would I? Uh, I reckon I played that one definitely when I was about fifteen, maybe fourteen. I reckon. Um, I, only because you don't want to start playing an event when you're too young, because um, it's a long, long week and a week and a half really, um, and you're just not used to it. So you got to be. If you want to go over and win it, you got to be ready, I guess. <laughs> And what's the, you mentioned like it's a long way. What's the hardest part of that for a young person? Is it the mental side of it or the physical side of it? Yeah, I think it's definitely the uh, the mental side of it. Um, I don't know, keeping your head in it the whole time and uh, making the correct decisions at the right time. Because um, you start doing bad decisions, you end up with big numbers on your scorecard, which is not what you're after. And can you remember, were there other familiar names in that tournament, people you were playing with and against? Yeah, we would have had probably Minji Lee, uh, Hannah Green, Minwoo Lee, um, all the big names which are out there now in the world. Um, I'm trying to think. It would have been a few PGA Tour players that played, um, maybe even a few LPGA. Um, I can't, can't give you any names. I'm not quite sure. But um, they do tend to come over, which is perfect. And do you, does WA go as a team for that, or do you just go with um, uh, with a coach? Ah, uh, depends. Um, Golf WA do send a few people um, to go over and play, um, and then you've got your your other little individual events like they've just played the SA Classic, which is in uh, South Australia. Sorry, uh, and Golf WA send probably four or five people, uh, and then there's one in Melbourne that they send. Same sort of amount of people. Um, you all travel together. Um, everything's booked, so you just rock up, play, and then that's it. Um, so it's pretty good. I did enjoy the uh, amateur circuit. It was good fun. And can you remember how you went in that very first tournament as a 15 or 16-year-old? <sighs> I can't. I literally can't. I would have made the cut, I'm sure, but um, I can't remember. That was so long ago. Sorry. Who was coaching you at that stage? Was it still your first coach or had you moved on from then? Been maybe Donkey Keg. He's at Mount Lawley. Um, if it was that long ago, yeah, it would have definitely been him. And you, Mount Lawley is your club now, isn't it? Is that right? That's your that's yeah, your that's home, club. home club. Yeah. When did you yeah. When did you join the Mount Lawley club? Oh, years ago. Um, probably six or seven years ago, I think. Um, just such a great place to be. Um, loads of juniors there. Um, everyone's always there to help out and. Um, the practice facility, the junior program they've got there, it's 
perfect for any young golfer. It's perfect for a um, a day out, I guess. Like it, there's always kids up there to play with. Um, they're always having fun, and yeah, no, it's a great place to be. Did you join Mount Lawley because your family lived close to there, or because you felt it was a, a good Just place for a junior because of the, Yeah, pretty much, purely because of the junior side of it. Um, just so good there and then I started playing all the club championships all that sort of stuff um, so no definitely for the junior side of it How competitive is competitive is that that club golf scene in WA like is it is it fiercely competitive when you get into a, a, a sort of a head-to-head situation with someone playing from another club how fierce does that get? Yeah for sure you always want to beat beat, uh, beat your teammates don't you, in any sport so um, no it's um you know, like you, I don't see the point in being there unless you want to win, right? So, um, you know, anyone could take it anyway, but um, I was definitely there to win and that was it. <laughs> and were you playing against, like, did you get to play against the likes of um, Minji or, or Hannah or those, or had they moved on to the uh, Pro Tour by then? I played, I definitely played a bit of golf with um, Hannah. Uh, Minji was a little bit older than me, so um, I played in a few national events with her. Or in the, the group with her, or the field, I guess. Um, and then I've done a few training sessions and stuff with her, but not necessarily one on one. And you've mentioned in some of the um, bio stuff that I've read off the internet that you you regard Hannah as a bit of a, a, a hero and and a bit of a mentor um, to you. How, how did that come about? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, she's a Mount Wally member. Um, you know, and I always looked up to her, seeing her on the Australian teams, and oh, I want to be in that team. You know, um, in the Olympic team, all that sort of stuff. So um, it's good to have someone to look up to and, and see where they are now and where you can get to. At this point in time, are you thinking I'm going to be a professional golfer? I'm going to make a living out of it, or are you just thinking this is going to be an amateur career and then I'll move on and do something else? No, definitely for sure. I 100% want to make a living out of it. Um, do my best every week and, um, you know, don't think about the living side of it. You want to you want to play well at each event and it will work, work itself out. Um, and, you know, like I said before, you get to travel the world doing what you love, so you can't you can't ask for a better job, really. <laughs> and you were thinking that even back then when you were a young junior, you know, 16, 17 years old and just starting to make your way in state and national teams? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's all, it's all lead up to this moment, so... Um, Obviously, being able to get my card as well, it was um, it was a pretty uh, big two weeks. So uh, when that was done, I was overwhelmed and um, happy I got it done. When you first start playing these these tournaments and you're playing against the best kids from other states and, and possibly um, youngsters from overseas as well, so the best young players from around the world at times, how how strong was your belief in yourself that you could compete against these these girls and and hold hold yourself up? Yeah, sure. Like obviously, um, to get into these events anyway, it's pretty tough. Like you got to be a certain certain position in the world to be able to get in. And then once you are in, you know you're, you're up there anyway, so you can compete with anyone. Um, anyone can have a bad day at the end of the end of the day. So um, you know, if you play your best and to your best ability, I guess. Um, you should do well. How is your game developing at this stage, Kirsten? What were your strong points and what were your weak points, do you think, at that point? Um, like a, definitely my short game. Uh, that was my positive in my golf. Uh, my weak points probably, um, 
uh, pitching. I wasn't a very good pitcher with a goal for, so if it, I was playing a par five as such. Um, wasn't able to get the, the ball as close to the hole as what some of the other girls could. So um, I've worked pretty hard on that and uh, managed to um, do pretty well with it. So you mentioned when you said your short games are strength and when you talk about pitching not being a strength, you're talking about sort of like coming in from 80, 90, 100 metres with a, with a wedge it. in you your hand. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah, you got it. And what about, putt- um, what about putting? Fine. Sorry? Yeah, I've always been a pretty good putter. So, um, you know, as a young junior, you don't really think much. You've got no fear, so you just whack it. <laughs> and I've kind of, I've kind of um, managed to keep hold of that. So, um, yeah, and all these new different ideas about putting and um, different fundamentals and all that sort of stuff, I've kind of put that into my game of putting and um, it's definitely helped. We'll take another break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the, the peak period in Kirsten's amateur career and that was probably around the 2020-2021 mark where uh, a lot of success both locally and overseas. This is Inspiring Sports Stories thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories. It is brought to you by Bower and O'Day. And we're talking to Kirsten Rudgley, the great young West Australian golfer, of course, embarking on her professional career this uh, year after earning her tour card on the Ladies European Tour. Kirsten, the years 2020 and 2021 are big years for you. And uh, you win... The WA Amateur Championship does that come at the start of the year or the or the finish of the year? No, that that comes at the start of the year. And um, so, how big a breakthrough was that for you? So that was obviously um, it was great to win in your home state and winning your own state title. Um, then that obviously that gets you straight into the state team as well. So it's, there's a few bonuses there, and um, yeah, it's always like I said, it's always great to win your home state. And were you uh, on your home course, or where was that held? That would have been. Where was that? That might have been at Cottesloe, I think. Uh, Cottesloe Gold Club. So I've actually never played the WA Amateur at my home club, so uh, haven't had a chance. <laughs> and Cottesloe is an interesting club, isn't it? That's the um, the one on the um, the Ocean Drive. There, there's there's. It's it's a yeah. very hilly course, isn't it? So there's not a lot of yeah. e- even lies. There's a lot of ball below your feet, no. ball above your feet sort of lies on that course. Yeah, it's, it's very much um, linksy sort of style. Um, linksy but not linksy as such. Like you said, the surface is different, but um, like your lies and things are definitely elevated and um, all that sort of stuff. How did you cope with a course like that? Um, oh, I must have done all right. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. But um, no. No, I um, you know, you get your head around things pretty quick if you if you put the right amount of time in out there and you put the preparation in, um, you can get used to a course pretty quick. So um, yeah, I just got out there as soon as I could and um, put some time in. And was that match play or stroke play that tournament? So I believe it's two rounds of stroke play and then it turns into match play. Yep. Who did you beat in the final? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, it would have probably been either Catherine Norris or Madison Hinton Tolchard, I would imagine. 
everyone raves about the sandbelt courses in Melbourne, Metropolitan, um, Huntingdale, um, Royal Melbourne. Have you spent much time on those courses? Yeah, for sure. Um, they're great golf courses, all of them. Um, they're, they're different, but they're um, they're just so good. Like we played the Aussie Open at Victoria Golf Club and Kingston Heath, and they're probably two of my favourite golf courses I've ever played. So, um, you know, I do enjoy going back to them and playing there and just playing a different style of golf. Why is it different? Wait, say, how does those sort of courses differ to what um, you would the, experience at Mount Lawley? The surface is a lot harder. Um, there's a lot more bunkers around, uh, elevations a lot more higher. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a different type of golf. Obviously, the wind as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's good fun as well. It's um, You can definitely play well around there, and you can also have not so much a, a good round. So, um, yeah. I'd imagine your short game is pretty important on a cor- on courses like that, and as you've mentioned, that's one of your strengths. Yeah, yeah, um, that does always come into hand for me around them sort of courses because um, it only takes a few a few yards to be out, and then you're you're thirty yards away. So um, it's it's handy to have a good little short game. <laughs> and where where does the talent for the short game come from, Kirsten? Did it come naturally to you, or did you have a coach? Yeah, that, that was pivotal to no, developing that. Not really. I just um, just mucked around and stuff on the chipping green and all that sort of stuff. But I do have a uh, short game coach now. Um, but we haven't really. We've changed a few things, but not too much. Because um, I'm, you know, it's all. I think short game is all about feel and all that sort of stuff. So um, you know, you don't want to get too technical, otherwise you lose all the um, the good stuff. And. If you were describing how to be a good short game player to a to a youngster coming through, what is the good stuff? What what do you need to keep front of mind? I think you just got to, you know, when you're down on the chipping green, just muck around pretty much. Just play different shots, play play shots you wouldn't play on the golf course, um, just so it gets your your brain working a little bit differently, um, and just imagine what the ball can do, not necessarily what it's going to do, um, you know, and just because you've got a hole just in front of you doesn't mean you just do a, a little basic chip. You might change it up a little bit or, you know, put some obstacles in the way or that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I never hit a, a ball from the same spot, I guess. It's always what I think because you never hit the ball from the same spot on the golf course unless you've missed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just you got to muck around with it all and just have fun. And, yeah, you see those people that drop 20 balls in the one spot and try and hit the same shot over and over again. That's not how yeah. you would go about it? Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, I'm pretty lucky down at Mount Lawley, so we've got a really good chipping area. So, um, you know, I might have a whole shag bag of balls and we'll just, I don't know, hit to all different holes. So I'm not hitting necessarily to the same shot. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Now, 2021, you finish runner-up in the WA Amateur and runner-up in the Australian Women's Amateur. Um, again, I'm presuming these happened at the start of the year? Yeah, they did. Um, so the runner-up to the Australian Amateur was uh, Grace Kim, I believe, and she's now LPGA, so she's she's always been a great golfer here in Oz. Um, and I, I I played really well that week and just couldn't quite get to the end of the line, but um, I, was, I was actually really happy with my result. And, and what course was that on? That was at... Younger oh, okay. in Adelaide. Yep, 
Yep. Is yep. that is that the one that has the railway line running through it? Is that the one? Or? No, that's Royal Adelaide. Royal Adelaide. They're both out towards um yeah. out towards West Lakes, aren't they? Both those courses. Yeah, yeah. So Royal Adelaide's a really cool golf course. It's um pretty different. You know, you don't there's not many places where you have a, a train that goes through the middle of the course. I know. Well, I actually played that course, and I'm thinking I'm I'm standing on the tee going. I wonder when the trains arriving. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realise trains were that big in Adelaide, let alone having them run through the middle of golf courses. But the yeah. big, the yeah. big, the big breakthrough comes overseas when you win the women's English amateur golf championship and the and the Scottish amateur women's golf championship. How did that come about? What sort of form were you in by then? Um, that was actually probably my first year of playing in Europe. Um, and uh, I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll play in them two events, give it a go, see how it goes, see how it go against these other girls, I guess, um, international-wise. Because, uh, you know, you know what it's like in Oz and you want to go out and see how they go out in the big world. So, um, yeah, I just, I played, I think the, the Scottish Amateur was first. Um, played really well there and uh, finished, finished my round of golf and... Uh, the only other girl that could beat me was the one behind, and she needed to make a birdie. And um, I don't think she well, she obviously didn't. So um, took that win, which was always great. That was at Royal Troon, so um, that's a pretty cool place to play. Links course. Yeah, that's all links. So both of the golf courses I played were links um, for English and Scottish. Sorry. Um, so yeah. How different is Lynx golf? I'm, I think I've played at um, Port Kennedy, which, which is sort of a Lynx course. But uh, how, yeah, di- how different yeah. is Lynx golf to to the golf we're used to playing on the on the tree line yeah, fair, fairways? Completely different. Um, like I had a caddy for the Scottish that week, and um, he turned around and said to me before I even hit one ball, he just said, "If you hit it low all week, you'll win." And I went, "Well, I didn't believe him at all. Hit the ball low all week, and I won." So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's crazy how how different the golf is, you know, you're hitting it 30 yards short of the green and waiting for it to bounce up and that sort of stuff, whereas we're hitting it, hitting it at the flag and it's stepping straight away over here. So um, it's something you've got to get your head around pretty quick while you're over there um, and just, you know, no, noticing what the that sort of golf course does um, and how it can, can um, be bad as well at the same time, you know. We'll take another break. And we'll be back with the, the final segment of our interview with Kirsten Rudgley. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. And we're talking to Kirsten Rudgley, who's uh, getting ready to embark on her first full year as a professional golfer. So, Kirsten, 2021 is a great breakout year for you as an amateur, and uh, you have a lot of success. You win a couple of big titles overseas. When you start out in 2022, are you thinking, this is my last year before I turn professional? Yeah, for sure. Um I kind of uh, held off a year because I wanted to play the women's annual, which is at Augusta National. So um, I knew definitely as soon as that tournament was done, um, I was going to turn professional. And at what time during the year was the the Augusta tournament played? 
that's actually starting next week. Right. So, um, what are we in now? So March. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy, crazy uh, week and a half. It's something that money can't buy. That's for sure. So when you went there, it's such a magical place, isn't it, Augusta? Did you know much about it when you went there? Oh, not really. Obviously, you watch what you do on the telly, but you're only seeing the golf course sort of side of it, and it's um, so much bigger than just the course. It's, you know, there's a housing estate sort of thing. Well, not housing estate, but all the, the sponsors' housing, and um, you've obviously got the, the bird's nest, all that sort of stuff. It's just a different world there. Is it as pretty when you go there as it looks like it on TV? Because they do doll it up a bit for the Masters, I know. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely yeah, a different place. Every flower is perfect. There's not one bit of grass that's wrong. Um, it's, you know, every every bit of housing has got a fresh bit of paint on it. It's crazy. Do, when you're there, do you feel like it's a magical place for a person that's playing your sport? Yeah, for sure, because I've... You've got to be um, you got to be doing pretty well in the golfing career, I guess, to be able to even get there. So, um, just that side of it as well was was quite humbling. And that tournament has just started, hasn't it? They've only just started doing that. Did you play in the first edition, or yeah. it might have been this or the no, second? No, I didn't edition? play. Well, I was meant to play the second, but yep. because of COVID here in WA, we weren't allowed to leave, so um, wasn't able to play the the second one, but I played the third one. What's it like when you get on the course that they play the Masters on and you get to a place like Amen Corner? Is it as scary as it looks on the final day of the Masters? Yeah, definitely. Um, for such a short hole, it's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because of the wind and things like that, like what they can do and the swirlingness of the wind, what we can feel on the tee is completely different down the bottom. So, um, And obviously you've got the water right in front of you, the back bunker, um, so it's a pretty difficult hole. So you're talking about the 12th, the, the, the one that brings all the yeah. the, the, yeah, the, the men it. undone in round four. Yep. yep. My favourite... Yep. So favor- when you see the... Go on. Sorry, Carol. You go. Uh, um, so what did you do when you were, when you were playing that hole? Because it seemed to me that they should be aiming for the heart of the green and the ones that get into trouble are the ones that fire at the flag. So so what did you do? Yeah, well, the green's so small. Um and even when they hit it in the water and things like that, I, I think, you know what, that is probably not a bad shot at all. Um, it's just, just what happens. Um, the green's really slopey as well, so anything can happen. But uh, my caddy, he just said, we're just going to hit the middle of the green and, um, you know, if we pull it or push it a little bit, we're still going to be in play. So that's what I did. And I actually hit it pretty close and managed to get a birdie. So that was pretty cool to be able to do it on that hole. And you did pretty well in that tournament, didn't you? Did you finish top 10? Yeah, I finished 8th, I believe. Um, so that's another bonus, being able to walk away the top 10 around Augusta in a tournament. So You got up as high as 24th in the in the world rankings in women's amateur golf. When, when did you achieve that and and uh, how big an achievement was that, do you think? You know, there were only um, 20 or so girls better than you in the whole world. Yeah, well, it's pretty good for an Aussie golfer because, um, you know, you've got all these US players at a college, so they're playing week in, week out, been able to get points and points and points. And um, I would have played a lot less events than them and been able to still keep up with them, which is a bonus. That um, just means when I go to them events, I'm, I'm uh, playing pretty well. So, um, yeah, I think I got to that after the Augusta 
event actually. Um, you know, and seeing your name on the first the first page on the um, the website is pretty good. At the end of 2022, you've got to go to Q School to qualify to play on the Women's European Tour. Where was that and how stressful a tournament is that one? So that's in um, Alex, that's in Spain, um, La Manga. Yep. So that's two weeks of literally play your best, otherwise you're going home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I played the first stage, got through that pretty easily. Um, and the weather was not so great, so um, I've over the over the uh, world would uh, been able to get through to that. Um, and the second stage is at the same golf course, but these are the people that have obviously or not obviously, but missed their LEP card or they've been injured, so they haven't been able to play or something. So they come back to key school. Um, so you're playing with much a just a better field, I guess. Um, I've been able to get through that as well. I was. You know, it was great. Just not for me, but for the family as well, knowing that I've been able to get a card and um, a European tour card. And, um, you know, I've, I've got a job for a year. So <laughs> that You finished ninth or tied for ninth in that Q school. How many actually get their card out of that event? Uh, I think 20 do. But the better you do, um, the more starts you get and, you know, just more privileges you get as well um, on the tour. So it's not necessarily just getting your card. It's how much better can you do to get all these other bonuses. So you mentioned you've got a job for a year and the fact that you have to now think about this as a job and, and not just a sport that you're playing, how how big an adjustment is that for a young person to make? Um, it is. It's, it's definitely you've got to change your mindset, you know, um, you can't you can't be having tantrums and stuff like golf course, you know, it's a job. So um, I haven't really, I've worked, I've started working a little bit harder um, practice-wise, all that sort of stuff, but, um, you know, I still want to treat it like I'm out there and want to win the tournament and it'll work, it to, work itself out, do you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to start putting too much pressure on myself, so um, just go out there and enjoy it. So I guess it's still golf, isn't it? And it's what you've always played. Yeah. And you, you don't want to change yeah. the nature of that too much just because you're doing it for money and uh, and not just for the glory of winning. Yeah, for sure. Have your family been able to travel much with you so far, Kirsten, or are, are you sort of like talking to them from yeah, afar? Yeah, so, mum does a little bit of trouble with me, um, only just while I'm just started out. So um, I assume the more and more I play, I'll start traveling with a lot of the girls that are on the tour and all that sort of stuff. So um, at the moment, she's traveling with me. Um, Dad's at home with his uh, working and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I speak to them most nights anyway. So it's an uh, easy world now with this technology. <laughs> Is when you have a, a, a rough moment on the course or, you know, you're feeling a bit down or challenged or flat, Who's the person you ring? Is it your coach or is it one of your parents? Um, not really. I've never really, to be honest, golf's a silly game as it is, you know, so anything can happen, you know. Just go out there, work harder that afternoon, uh, work on what you need to work on and then you start again tomorrow. You know, you don't become a bad golfer overnight, so um, that's the way I look at it. You've played a couple of tournaments. You uh, you finished eighth at the Joburg Ladies open how big a confidence boost was that for you yeah like knowing that i'm actually able to compete with these girls it's um 
it's good to know. Um, you know, I'm obviously still a rookie on the tour, so um, I'm just trying to still learn things and enjoy it and take everything in what I can. So, And 49th at the Aramco Team Series event in Singapore, which is a pretty good outcome because that was a very high-quality field, wasn't it? Yeah, it's... Um, a different sort of different sort of golf. So you play two rounds of uh, team team golf, and then the last round is just individual. Um, and like you said, yes, you are playing against a pretty high skill like LPJ players, LET top end players. Um, so you've got to be on your game, and um, it's just nice to see how they play as well. Um, just taking what they're doing, and um, yeah, it's good. Are you loving life on the on the pro tour? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, um, I've just started out, so um, enjoying it so far. How many events do you expect to play this year, Kirsten? I'm hoping, I don't know, maybe at least another 20. Yep. Um, all over the place. Um, a lot of them, obviously, they're all mostly all be in Europe, um, but the next one will be in Florida. Um, that's on the 19th to 21st of May uh, in Palm Beach. So, um, And then we start all the European stuff, which is the Belgium, um, all that sort of stuff, Scandinavia. So it's uh, going to be a busy year. Kirsten, we wish you all the best with it. Uh, congratulations on your career so far, and you're really just getting started, obviously, with your first year on the professional tour. Hopefully it goes well for you. And um, and hopefully we get to talk to you a lot again, uh, enjoying the 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 fruits of your labour. Appreciate it. This has been inspiring sports stories. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We've been talking to Kirsten Rudgley.